For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And good morning, Birds fans. This would be Birds 365, where we come to talk Eagles football on an almost daily basis. Yeah, they give us the weekends off, but we're thinking birds. I can pretty much assure you that on Saturdays and Sundays, too. I am Jody McDonald. He would be my partner, John McMullen. How are you this morning, Mr. Mac? Uh, doing well. A little fired up, Jody. A little, a little fired, fired up. up. Why would you be fired up? Well, you know, I got in a little, you know, Twitter. I should go Shander's route. Aton Shander. Tune into the middle, by the way, here on Jacob Media. You know, he, he points out the absurdity of Twitter. Absurdity? I got to tell you, Jody. What? Yeah. Twitter is absurd? Yeah. Are you trying to tell me Twitter is absurd? I am trying to tell you that. Now, I'm not going to go as far as Aton. Aton gets into the conspiracies, the algorithms, and all that nonsense. He's got the foil hat. I'm not going to go that far. I'm just trying to enjoy my night. I, 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 I see there's going to be his, a potential historic no-hitter in Major League Baseball, the first in 24 hours, I believe. Yes. Uh but, you know, as I was explaining to you off air, I'm an old school guy. If I hear a no-hitters going on, I want to see the end. And it was Corey Kluber, see if he could finish it out. He did. Uh, but in between, I mean, you know, with the launch angles, nobody puts the ball in play. You're a big baseball guy. Baseball's not as fun. I used to be a huge baseball guy. I am really depressed uh, the, the way that sport has gone the direction it's going in, but that's a whole nother show. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll get a, another show to talk about that. So I'm on Twitter in between, you know, trying to watch the game and I'll say, well, engage. There's this sort of pseudo personnel guy. always go back and forth with really intelligent. And I mentioned, you know, Andre Dillard, um, because the Eagles made a move at left tackle yesterday, not left tackle, swing tackle. They brought in LaRaven Clark, who's, you know, a backup player. But you start thinking, the wheels start going. What's going on here? And I've mentioned in the past, and we're going to have a trenches day today on the show with Barrett Brooks and Hollis Thomas. So we got both sides of the football. But, um, you know, what 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 does this mean? I'm trying to figure out. and And it certainly looks... And it could be just like a Tim Tebow. It's And by the way, happy Tim Tebow. I'm going all over the place. He finally signed with Jacksonville. Ooh. It might just be, you know, Clark is coming off a torn Achilles. He's got a relationship with Nick Sirianni. Maybe he's just doing him a solid, bringing him in at, at, on the 90-man bloated off-season roster, saying, okay, maybe you can open the eyes of somebody else. But on paper, it doesn't look like the Eagles need a tackle unless they're thinking about trading Andre Dillard. And then I went down the road of, I still think Andre's going to be the better player long-term than Jordan Marlotta. Oh, Jody, I I broke the fourth wall. I'm insane. You're going to crush. Oh, my God. I, You know, this poor kid, he was going to be the starting left tackle last year. No questions about it. And he tore his biceps. Look, we know the stuff in the first year. 
the picture of him crying on the field, which these people will not let die. And it's absolutely, I can tell you inside, they don't give a you know what about that. That is long, that is water under the bridge. Now, they were legitimately upset about him not sort of trying to fight through the move to right tackle. That was like a big thing in the organization. They would have preferred, because you look over the years, Halapula Batibata, even Matt Pryor, who had to play left tackle, he's more comfortable on the right. They don't like moving either, Jody, but they fight through it. And it's ugly at times, but they fight through it. And that's what they wanted to see from Andre Dillard. So by no reason, no means am I saying this guy's going to be a star. This guy's definitive. I I think he's got a higher ceiling than Jordan Mailata. You know, Jeff Stoutland has talked to me uh, a bunch about his natural ability as a pass protector. He's got to get stronger. We got to see if he's done that. All that kind of stuff. You add in all the context, doesn't matter. Does not matter. I mean, they have closed the book on this poor guy. And I mentioned it with Nate Gary the other day. There's certain players, certain players that they just pull the plug on and they're done. They're dead. And there's other players you brought up, you know, one of them yesterday, Greg Ward. And I know you want to get into that at some point. I mean, there's certain players they love. And if you say anything bad about you, you are. A lunatic. I, I don't get it. I, and I tell these people, and I'm telling them right now on everywhere, go to eagles.com if you want smoke blown up your ass because we're not going to do it here. We're going to tell you the <coughs> truth. There it is, Jeff. I appreciate the fact that you're uh, starting us off with a little emotion today, J-Mac. Thank you very much for that. And I have learned. I I spend way too much time on Twitter every day. Oh, I, so honestly, do I. I, I honestly stop. do. I and I, I, it, it, it almost should be like uh, eating too much sugar. I should know when to pull yeah. back. And I don't. And, yeah. and shame on me for that. But the one thing that I have learned is don't engage. Yeah. I, can, I, I, can. I just, if, so, if I tweet and somebody responds to me, Okay, fine. That's your opinion. I already stated my opinion. If you don't like it, what can I do? I don't grab the keyboard again and start the back and forth. Because, yes, that's a rabbit hole you don't need to go down. You don't want to go down. I'll say a couple times a month, somebody will say something so outrageous or so blatantly wrong that I'll feel the need to correct them on Twitter. That I didn't say that. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Maybe twice a month. That's it. Because if I wanted to do it on a day-in, day-out basis, every time somebody disagreed with something or responded to Mm. something that I said or tweeted, I'd never get off Twitter. I wouldn't have time to do Birds 365 or any of my radio shows. No shot, no chance. Yeah, it's definitely definitely my fault. And at the end, you just mute the person. That's why. Why did I spend... 20 minutes going back and forth with some moron with 15 followers. I don't know. I don't know. You know, sometimes, and I blame the game because I'm like, okay, you know, uh, you're, you're trying to do something in between pitches. we got the short attention span culture. You're right. You just got to put the phone down. Twitter isn't paying me. Verse 65 is paying me. Right. Uh, Billy boys, sports illustrated. And, and then you get these people like, 
you don't put something, you don't break news on Twitter. Well, guess what? Twitter's not paying me. The other people are paying me. So right. we got to save stuff for them. Um, couldn't and, and, couldn't you know, agree with you more that, that that way. That's why I don't tweet that much. I can sit here and, and tweet stuff out all day, but no, no, no. I get paid for my opinion, and I'm going to give it to the people who pay me, not the people who don't pay me, like no. you guys out there on Twitter. So yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't tweet all that much, but I do pay attention to what's going on on Twitter on a day in day out basis. But I have uh, trained myself not to engage, to just uh, take it in, smile, laugh, roll my eyes, rather yeah. than grab that keyboard. And I got to get to that point, Jody. See, yeah. Zen. So, you know, I always say the smartest people in the world, the smartest people in the world know what they don't know. And I know that, but too often you fall into that rabbit hole. And, you know, you have everybody, you know, that's the problem with Twitter. Everybody's entrenched and they think they know everything, Jody. Mm, I'm not surprised that that's. I mean, you just muted yourself, Jody. If you can, if you can hear me. When to, I gotta learn when to mute and when I'm not muted. Yeah. Um, we've got a good show planned for you. As John already told you, Brandon Brooks uh, is going to join us about uh, eight. Barrett Brooks. Barrett Brooks. I always, I, I go that that's difficult because you always want to say Brandon Barrett. Barrett, Barrett Brooks. Brooks. Barrett Brooks will join us uh, coming up in about ten or fifteen minutes from now, and then Hollis Thomas. Scheduled to be on at 9.20. Now, uh, you know Hollis a little bit. I've done shows with Hollis. Hollis is just stone-cold fun. Hanging out with Hollis Thomas is fun. You don't have to be on the air to have fun with Hollis Thomas. Hollis Thomas is just fun, period. I'm going to put the uh, under-over that Hollis will be here at about 68%. I'm going 80%. 89%. Okay, you're more confident than I am. There's a 32% chance that Alice is not going to show. Sander, what, what 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 are you putting the percentage on? Did he confirm? We need to hear that. I'm trying to get Sander to pop on here one day. I think I think we can create a star in Xander Crowd. Xander could be a potential star? Yeah. He's but he already, won't pop he, on. He won't pop on. He's a I want to see him pop on. He's a star at what he does. I yeah. don't know if we... Uh, oh, Sanders giving me 55%. 55, yeah, yeah. see? I'm, I'm way less confident now. <laughs> you, 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 he's less confident. You're more confident. That's, yeah, uh, but that just, that just shook my confidence as well. Oh, now, now your confidence now is I re, Now I got to rethink my confidence. <laughs> uh, right, hey, wait a minute. Uh, we're getting far afield of what we do here every day, which is talk about the Eagles. And oh, by the way, before you ever went on Twitter last night waiting for a Corey Kluber no-hitter, uh, you had uh, activity and work to do during the day. And that was including talking to one Jalen Hurts, little media availability for the Eagles quarterback. See, I didn't say starting quarterback because the Eagles don't want to call him the starting quarterback, even though we all know he's the starting quarterback. Um, he's he's all in for competition, and you let him write down that Primrose Path, Mick uh, Mullen. You had him throwing out one-liners after you got it. You got the chance to start yesterday's press briefing. Yeah, J- uh, Jalen's great with the one-liners. Jalen, you know, we were talking about that a little bit as well uh, before the show. He's just got every intangible to be successful at this position, and you know, I I love it. I I think it's funny. You know, 
the Eagles aren't rolling out Joe Flacco. This is first day of uh, phase two of OTAs. And here's your, your menu, Jody. Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, and the main event is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, but he's not the starting quarterback. Right. I think it's absurd, but, you know, I was Ricky Henderson. I was leading off. You got to ask the question. And, and uh, you know, I asked him, do you think this team is committed to you because they haven't named you the starting quarterback? And he's just really good in these types of situations. And I'm I'm always impressed by him. He he His pulse level is just so even. Uh, he's so even keeled. He he understands how to do it. He understands how to deal with it. He went through it at Alabama uh, with Tua. Uh, so he understands this competition thing. He understands, uh, as he describes it, the rent needs to be paid every day. Doesn't plan on missing any rent payments. Then at the end, we're hungry. We're not going to be missing any meals. He's just really good getting in there, punctuating a point. And I think, I think it's a breath of fresh air. And I'm writing about this, and it'll be on phillyboys.com this morning, Jody. Um, if you look at this offseason in the NFL and all these prima donnas, starting with oh, Aaron yeah. Rodgers, who, you know, is a superstar. Uh, they're all superstars. Even at Carson Wentz at one point was a superstar. Uh, Russell Wilson thinking he should be involved in personnel decisions. Aaron Rodgers the same way. Deshaun, even before the issues, he wanted he wanted to say who the coach should be and the right. GM should be. I mean, these guys are nuts, their egos, at this point. And even Carson once here getting upset that the Eagles took a second-round pick on a quarterback to, to a little bit of a lesser extent. But nonetheless, I put that in the same category as well. Sure. Jalen Hurts is, man, he is a breath of fresh air. He's like, okay, you want to say I got to compete? He's going to go compete. Now, he doesn't really have to, but um, I I just find it very, very refreshing. Right. You have to compete against the other team, right? Every single Sunday you're asked to compete. You yeah. go out and compete against the opposition. Why can't you do that Monday through Saturday, too? And work hard at it and not be have it handed to you and be able to dictate terms in your life on every go out and just get it done. Compete. And that's exactly the attitude that he showed yesterday. Yeah, I really do like this. I want him to succeed badly. You know, my offseason with the Eagles in the quarterback position, I was hoping that they drafted Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a star quarterback in this league. They chose not to. They took Devonta Smith, so I can't complain about what they did on draft night because they got themselves a superstar just in a different position. But this is the kind of kid you want to root for. You you, you oh, have yeah. faith in. Yeah, he, he is. And as I said, this is the modern environment. I mean, this is where we are, Jody. It's not just the NFL. You see it in the NBA. Um, you know, superstars have that, whether you want to call it entitlement, um, and, and really the poster child is probably Rogers. We know, we know about the NBA, you got guys, you know, deciding where they're going to go, what city bringing in players, how much power they have in that sport. Look, the toothpaste is out of the tube. And that's why it is so refreshing when you get a player who is a little bit of old school in that mentality. You're right. It's a competitive sport anyway. You know, one thing Nick Sirianni, although I think is, 
competition mantra is nonsense. I've said it pretty consistently. What one thing I agree with him with is he mentioned himself and Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. And by the way, I expect to talk to the coordinators for the first time today. So I'm excited about that. But um, he said, we're competing, you know, because if we don't succeed, we're going to get fired. I mean, that's, I, I mentioned it earlier, the old bump Phillips quote, there's two kinds of coaches, them that's hired, them that's fired. Um, ultimately everybody has a shelf life. So everybody's competing whether it's in-house or, or out-of-house, and that seems to be the way uh, Jalen Hurts approaches his job. Uh, and that's not the case. Everybody else wants, you, you better build up around me. You better put me into personnel decisions. You better do this for me. You better do that for me. It's where we are, but it's not, it, it's, it's not fun for me. I don't, I don't think it's fun for most fans when, when players act like prima donnas. It gets very frustrating if uh, it's a player that you happen to be a huge fan of and you root for the team and he's been your guy and all of a sudden he's trying to talk his way out of town. Yeah, it gets really tough on not only the organization, but the fan base here in town. You mentioned Nick Sirianni, and shame on me, I missed this uh, almost two weeks ago. Um, When a new president takes office, we all talk all the time about the first hundred days, that the first hundred days is key. What can you achieve in your first hundred days in office? Well, we missed Nick Sirianni's first hundred days. And I don't know about you, but I count from the day that Sirianni did his first press conference. It leaked out a little bit earlier. Then the Eagles confirmed it. But for me, Nick Sirianni, the Nick Sirianni era started here in Philadelphia the day of his first press conference, which was... 113 days ago. So we've come and gone with the 100-day mark of the Nick Sirianni era. And to tell you what kind of a symmetrically balanced day it is today, what it was 113 days ago that Nick Sirianni was introduced. What happens 113 days from today, John McMullen? Well, I would say this, the second uh, 113 days is a hell of a lot important than the first 113 days. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I like your where you're going with the analogy, but the first 100 days when you're a head coach in the NFL, to be honest, are not that all that meaningful because sure. of the calendar and where you are in the season. He couldn't even get to his players. His first time on the field with the players was rookie camp, which was last Friday. So, Maybe we should go 100 days from last Friday and see what goes on with this particular team. And obviously that's going to take you into training camp and all that. But um, I hear what you're saying. Look, there's some positive. We've talked about it. Tremendous energy. You know, Jason Kelsey seems to have bought in. Brandon Graham, the veteran players. But that's what they do. They're professionals. And I'll tell you, I was impressed with Jalen Hurts yesterday. Now, can he do it on the field? That's a bigger part of it. But he's got every single intangible you need to succeed. Unfortunately, Jody, we're in the era of analytics of sports. So people tend to throw intangibles into the, the dustbin. Yes. Uh, intangibles are good for coaches and in locker rooms. But you got to win by performing on the field. You win all the press conferences you want. You got to win football games. Uh, but uh, just in case you didn't pick up 113 days from now, 
is the first game of the Knicks Sirianni yeah. era. Uh, so it's been 113 days since we first got to meet him. We have to wait 113 days before we get a true result. Because all the talk, all the rock, paper, scissors, all the energy doesn't much matter if you can't find a way to win. And I think the game uh, in Atlanta is actually winnable. And we got 113 days to figure it out. Uh, we've got a uh, couple of minutes to get ready for an appearance here on the show. Baron Brooks going to hop aboard. We've been doing a connection with the middle all week. We had Aton Shander earlier. We had Harry Mays yesterday. We saved the best for last. The creme de la creme. Barrett Brooks joins us next here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you. When you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Today in the trenches here on Bird 365, McMullen and McDonald getting down in the nitty gritty with you, and we're <laughs> we're faking it when we do it. Uh, our guests are going to have actually experienced. Oh yeah, uh, 
what it's all about in the trenches. Uh, one on the offensive side of the ball, one on the defensive side of the, side of the ball. First up, the thinking man side. That would be the offensive line. And former Eagle offensive lineman, host now on the middle here on the Jacob Media Sports YouTube channel, our buddy Barrett Brooks hops aboard with us. Good How morning, are you, good morning. Good morning, guys. Yeah. Good morning, guys. In fact, I'm just sitting here just listening to this radio, TV, YouTube gold you guys just gave. I mean, <laughs> you I mean, it, seriously, it is, it is, it's great to hear somebody really understand me when you guys say that analytics versus intangibles – I really feel as though intangibles is how the league should be made up. That's how I was made up when I was playing. I took care of the intangibles. That's why I had a 12-year NFL career. The intangibles being knowing my playbook, being in shape, playing as hard as I can without the coaches telling me to do that, doing the little things that help me take it to the next level. Those are the intangibles that get looked over when you go to analytics. Analytics just says, you know, gives you a, an evaluation at that point. But intangibles take you over the long haul. So, I mean, that, that was that was that was gold right there. You guys gave, and and we really need to look at um, Jalen Hurts in that manner. You know that yes, he's a young guy, but he has those intangibles. He's doing everything right. He's getting the city to love him. He's doing all of the stuff out there, and you know, and and you know, around the city, and making sure they see that he's invested in the city. Those are all things that you have to do in order to be, a, you know, a quarterback that with some staying power in this league. So yes. You're right. You're absolutely right. Intangibles versus analytics is great. But I'm sorry. I'm trying to talk you know, taking over the show. I'm sorry. No, go. <laughs> do it. That's why you're the main event of the middle, as I call you. Just like Jalen Hurts was the main event of that uh, first day presser in OTAs with Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham. I think it tells you a lot, Barrett, that they're putting him out there uh, in sort of that anchor position. He's the starting quarterback. We're not talking about right, 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 right. Exactly. But yeah. that you know, the leadership, the work ethic. Everybody likes the kid. Everybody likes the kid. But if you can't put a number on it, if you could, you can't make it actionable. People think it doesn't matter, and that's where why we talk about intangibles, and that's why I love Jalen Hurts. I hope he succeeds. However, I think you got to be fair. 52% isn't good enough. So, you know, Pro Football Focus came out. I'm sure you saw. They ranked him 31 of 32 starting quarterbacks. But that's that's sort of what on what he did in the past. That doesn't count the upside, count the development of the player. And then I go back to intangibles again. He's working out every day with Quincy Avery when he's not here. The work ethic. He's got everything, Barrett. I'm no rooting for the kid. Absolutely. I mean, you, you you go out and you want a guy that's going to take hold of this team, take leadership responsibilities without being told to. You know, going out and, and working out when he's when nobody else is looking, bringing guys into the fold, getting some chemistry with them. Those are all things that make guys successful. And, and you, you're right. You can't put a number on those. You can't go out and put analytics, um, you know, on the heart. You mean the heart? I mean – I've seen guys with absolutely no athletic talent become some of the best players in the world simply because their heart is bigger than, you know, than than a guy with a whole bunch of talent. So, yes, you're absolutely right, man. This is this is this is one of those things where I think Jalen Hurts just off spite and pure will of seeing number 30, I mean, rank 31. I mean, he had guys like Trevor Lawrence hadn't even touched on the field and we 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 tend to forget. Trevor Lawrence is playing in Jacksonville, yeah. the worst team in the NFL. They are horrible. They won't be able to do anything, but you, you're going to rank our quarterback, uh, um, you know, behind him. 
behind Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson was my number four quarterback. Well, three and a half, four in my evaluation of, 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 of NFL quarterbacks coming out of the draft. But they got him right in front of them. I, I just don't understand it. Carson Wentz had 12 games worth of just pure garbage. <laughs> and he's in front of them. Come on now, man. I mean, that's 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 utterly ridiculous, simply ridiculous. Carson Wentz is up there just because his team is more of a team rather than, you know, Carson Wentz's. Barrett, you talked about uh, how we as fans, and I do throw myself in as fans here as we do Birds 365, look at intangibles. We get pumped up about intangibles. We love stuff like that. We love Jalen Hurts' performance yesterday saying all the right things to John McMullen questions. But our opinion is nice. <laughs> There's one really important opinion, and it can be good here because I think the coach, the new head coach, the beginning of the Nick Sirianni era, I think intangibles were going to count with him. Uh, don't know about the front office. Don't know about Howie Roseman. Don't know if he's being whispered in his ear by his analytical department and or his owner. But the coach is going to get the first hands-on chance to mold and, and build up and uh, get uh, Mr. Hurts going in the correct direction. And I do think he counts. he cares about intangibles. He wears his intangibles and his emotions on his sleeve. So I think he's going to take that into consideration with this football team. So I really do. Even though they won't come out and say it, we all uh, assume and I think pretty damn close to know he's going to be the starting quarterback. I think the coach is going to love him and go to war for him. No question. And you could tell this coach is a player's coach. And I played with players coaches before. Um, you know, they give you an opportunity to win something because they get to know their players. They're they're directly tied to their players. They give them an opportunity to play to their strengths, not necessarily uh, the, the you know, the, the, the scheme being the, the ultimate indicator of, of whether you're going to play or not. You know, some guys just have that it factor. I mean, this team is full of them. Look at Kelsey. Kelsey should not be as good as he is. He's just too damn small to be in the league as a starting center. Yet he's played at an awesome level. You know, almost, you know, you, you know, every year being a pro bowler, you know, almost. It should have been, should have, could have, would have. But, you know, he's played at that level. Guys like that who are not supposed to be that good but played their way into being a dominant player because they're hard. You know, size didn't matter to him. And, you know, kind of going to be just like, uh, you know, Smith. Smith, you know, he is thin as a rail. You go, he'll blow away. But you cannot take away his heart. He's going to go out there and play, and, and I'm telling you right now, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be busting games over going deep all the time. If, you're, we're, if, we're, if we as Phyllis fans are looking at that, he won't be that. But yeah. he will be a guy that's going to keep the chains moving, be that solid player that's going to get a quiet 110 yards here, 120 yards in this game, 100 in this game, 98 in this game. Why he keeps the sticks moving? Because he's going to be a great, great possession receiver. That's what he's going to be. He has game-breaking speed, but not the speed, the top-end speed that you want that you have. You might have with a you know Hill from Kansas City. But he will be consistently good every week, and those are the intangibles that we're not looking at as far as in our evaluation of who these players really are. Bart, um, Howie's been busy the past couple of days uh, bringing in players. Ryan Kerrigan, the most notable. But yesterday... And I want to get your thoughts because it's offensive line, it's offensive tackle. They bring in LaRaven Clark, who was in Indianapolis with Nick Sirianni, has some experience as a swing tackle. 
that got me thinking. I'm like, what does this mean? Does this mean they're going to trade Andre Dillard? Uh, does this mean it's it's starting left tackle or bust for Andre Dillard? Or is it just about Nick Sirianni doing a Tim Tebow for somebody he likes <laughs> and putting him on the 90-man offseason roster? What was your first thoughts when you see the Eagles bringing in another player at one position where they seem to have quite a bit of depth? Well, LaRaven Clark is one of those guys that, you know, he, he fits what the Eagles like to do. He plays multiple positions on the team. You know, he can play – he can actually play guard. He can put sub. Um, he's not very athletic. He's he got okay athleticism. In fact, I kind of equate him to myself, you know, as far as how he plays. But he's a strong player. You know, he's going to finish plays. And, you know, sometimes, you know, just, just having a guy go out there and just muscle guys will be good. That's what he is. He's going to be a muscle guy. He's going to be a consistent guy. And he's going to go out there and just get the job done. He's not going to blow you away uh, with his athleticism, but he's going to be a solid player. Now, what does that mean for Andre Dillard? Dillard is making his own bet. You know, and he, he, what, you, what you're not seeing is Dillard doing anything to, to capture this coaching staff. You have to make sure that they're talking about you at all times when you're not a guy that, you know, when you're, when you're, you're supposed to be the guy, but you're not that guy. Right now, I think Jordan Malata has takes you know steps to leaps and bounds as far as being the starting left tackle, which puts Dillard in an awkward position because he's a first rounder. And you know, when you're a first rounder, you're supposed to play. He's his body is is is, is right now ready to play, but I don't know mental if he's ready to go out there and take on a, a 16 game, I mean a 17 game now NFL schedule and be dominant every single play. I think, you know, he just, you know, wanders away for a little bit, you know, then he might get focused again, have a great, you know, play here and there. And then he just wanders away again in this league. You have to be consistent. He has that. He doesn't have that consistency, or I don't think he has that, that I'm not going to say heart, but I'm going to say that intensity that you need to play day in and day out when you're, when you're blocking for the blind side of your quarterback. And I'm back to Nick Sirianni again here, because he's the one who's going to make that decision. And we've had some really good, fun discussions about who's going to be, who should be the Eagles starting left tackle this year. I don't know about you, Barrett, but I've got some confidence in this coaching staff that they're going to make the right call. That in years gone by with Wall, this was a first-round draft pick, and the organization is dedicated to him. I got the feeling that Nick Sirianni's coming in here and he's going to take the best player. He's going to be selecting the guy who shows him the most, has the focus in practice. He's not going to let something like where a player was drafted dictate as to who's in his starting lineup. Absolutely. You can tell he has a little more power going into this organization than even Doug did. Um, You know, Nick picked his coaching staff. He brought in guys that he wanted. You mean – you know, Doug just won a Super Bowl. He didn't have autonomy to do that. So it just shows that he has a little more pull than we're giving him credit for. You know, we're thinking he's just being a yes man. I think that he's going to go out there and make sure he gets things right. Now, he's going to he has that power until he shows that he's not good enough to, to wield that power. You know, once he starts making mistakes, then this is the type of, you know, organization that they'll take the reins. They want they want what they want. And you have to go out there and execute and, and be successful in order to keep that type of power. So, you know. Looking at it, Nick, at this point, it gives him a lot of rope. It's up to him whether he wants to hang himself or not. But, I, I mean, I like Nick so far. You know, everybody's talking about the way he talks. I don't care how you talk in a press conference. I mean, I've had the, one of the most, you know, hash, harsh, whatever you want to call it, with, with Ray Rhodes. You know, Ray Rhodes, <laughs> his, his press conference were, were, were epic. You know, his, his speeches in the locker room were epic. He just didn't know how to – 
articulate to the average fan what was going on in the locker room. You know, he'd rather cuss you out, tell you, hey, just look and see what we do rather than anything else. But, you know, it, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about you going out there and producing. And if Nick produces, they'll keep him, you know, um, they'll, they'll keep him out there in a position where he can, you know, hang himself or he can go out there and, you know, take enough rope to be a guy that's going to be here for a long time. You know, Barrett, I, I still shake my head. By the way, I agree with you. But you said again that Nick Sirianni looks like, at least looks like, he has more autonomy than Doug Peterson. That's like a whole nother show. Right. I can't believe that. I, but you're right. It, it's so bizarre to me. Right. But I do want to shift to what the Ryan Kerrigan decision meant to you. I mean, that guy's going to be 33 by the time week one rolls around. He could still play. There's no question about that, I think. But, you know, Jeffrey Lurie coined the term transition, not any of us. Right. What? What? Why are you signing a 33-year-old guy when you need to figure out if Derek Barnett's the answer long-term, Josh Wett's the answer long-term, both on contract years, by the way, and some of the younger players as well? Uh, and that's why Brian Kerrigan? I, I, you know, I, I think that they need that, that, that presence on the defensive side of the ball that, um, you know, not just from a, a performance standpoint, because, you know, you can't be a leader that's going to go up and be a rah-rah guy, people going to list you and follow you, unless you get some results. They needed more from the defensive end position. Derek Barnett, they don't trust him just yet to be a player that's going to be on the field, you know, for a long period of time. The best ability is availability. He hasn't been available a lot of the times. Yeah. And, you know, his results were – you know, not flattering. You know, he's he's been in a little position where he's been hurt a little bit, but he's also, when he's out there, he's made some stupid mistakes also as far as, you know, late hits and things of that nature. So they need to stabilize that, and plus they need a, good, a, a, a really good rotation. I don't think Joe Osman is ready to be an NFL type of player, uh, every down player right now. You know, say what you want to say, he, he, he can't be in the, you know, as a rotational player, you know, if he doesn't give results. Um, you look at the rest of the guys, you know, Jannard Avery, you know, is, what is he? You know, is he he's just one of those tweener type of guys. You know, is he just going to be yeah. a pass rusher? You just can't have that luxury to just having a pass rusher to just bring it on third down. Kerrigan can play all four downs, you know, first, second, third, and fourth on the goal line. You know, he's that type of presence. And that's what they needed. Brandon Graham, he's up there also. You know, what is he, 32? Brandon, 33, yeah. Yeah, be Same 33. Age, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he he's going to need some some reps that, you know, somebody can come in and play on both sides. You know, if, if he's not starting, if, it, you know, Kerrigan's not starting on the, on the right side, he can go in and spell BG on the left side. Those are all positions that are interchangeable, and he can play both sides. A lot of guys get stuck in, all right, I can just rush from this side. Kerrigan can rush from both sides, and his production is going to be there. They've watched him literally tear our tackles apart. In fact, I think Vic V still wakes up in, in cold sweats and nightmares from Carrigan the first game he started. He's given um, Jason Peters, the bodyguard, some work. You know, yeah. his, you know, he can rush the passer. They just didn't need him in Washington anymore. They went out there, what's his name, Davis. They, you know, and plus they didn't know what they wanted to do with him. Is he a defensive end? Is he an outside yeah. linebacker? Well, they also have, yeah, they also have Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So right. Washington, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have the most talent. But Lane Johnson, Lane swears by Ryan Kerrigan. I no mean, question. He, he'd give him work, too. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he loves him. Loves and I, I got no uh, problem with a signing like that, even though, according to the owner, it's a transitional year. You got to get good players. And you got to at least 
make an attempt to put together the best football <laughs> team you can so you can win games. If we're going to truly believe in the transitional thing, why are we asking on a day-in, day-out basis, why are they not signing another quarterback? We have Michael Jackett. He is transition. That's true, Jody. He is the man. He is young. Just (laughs) give him the job. No, they need better. And they need better at defensive end. I'm sorry. Barnett has had his chance here, and he has not won anything for me. Certainly not a contract extension. The Eagles already kind of made that decision by not adding on the last year. Uh, No, I'm I'm good with Ryan Kerrigan. He's going to give the Eagles a better chance to win next year. That's an outstanding signing. No question. You're, and just like you said, the cornerback position, you know, I, I I still don't understand what is going on at the cornerback position. There is nobody that can that can go out there and cover a second uh, tier wide receiver on this team. You know, at this point, you know, Darius Slay is the only guy that can go out there and handle a number one, uh, can handle a number two. Avante Maddox, we tried him on the outside. It's You know, those guys are just too big. I mean, look at, you know, Galladay is, is, is six foot four. You know, 210, 215 pounds. Yeah. You know, you're asking a guy that's 5'9. Then we go out and get another guy that's 5'9. They're ex- uh, the exact for. same size. It's right. like they, they got the they got a clone. He's 5'9. Right. You know? He's a slot player. I'm talking about Joe Josiah Scott. Josiah, yes. They yeah. They picked up from the Jaguars. He runs a four four. So he he runs like an outside corner, but he's five nine, just like Avante. Call um, the net. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the one thing I will say, Barrett, is Avante played outside at Pitt, so he's more comfortable outside, and he was really successful. But that's college. That's not pro, where you have monsters like Mike Evans and Julio Jones and Kenny Galladay, as you mentioned. Um, They just don't have enough length. But I look at that Kerrigan signing and say, okay, is that what the Eagles – We are they saying we couldn't get a quarterback – cornerback so we better get to the quarterback is that what sort of a different way to go about the same thing although honestly i'm seriously thinking that that's exactly the direction they're going they're gonna i think they're gonna blitz a little more and they need to get you know a lot of pressure on the quarterback in order for that defense to be successful you know hence that's why they went out and got uh jacoby stevens you know, I think they're going to make him, you know, they're going to play big. I call it big nickel, but when you put three yeah, safeties in the game, put your best athletes out there, and he's big enough to play both, you know, linebacker and play safety. He's fast enough. He can cover tight ends, cover running backs, go out in the slot and cover sometimes. They're going to need that player that they can rush off the end, rush them from the inside. They're going to have to generate pressure from bringing guys um, if they don't go out and get some cornerbacks, you know, because I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm tired of holding my breath and, 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 my stomach, you know, getting, you know, turned in knots on every third down because they're gonna they're gonna go out there and complete the pass because our corners. I mean, I, I love it. I love the heart. I love the enthusiasm. The guys go out there, but sometimes you know numbers take over. Just like you say, you, you talk about uh, analytics. Numbers gonna take over when you have somebody six foot four, 215, 220 pounds running a four three, and you got a guy that's five nine, and you know one hundred eighty five pounds trying to guard him. You know, the, you know, those analytics are sitting right there in your face. That's when big guys beat up on little guys. They're going to go get the ball. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's where I don't understand why we didn't go out there and actively um, go out and get cornerbacks in this draft. It just didn't make sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me. We still haven't brought anybody in that can go and handle and be that number two defensive back. The wait to the fourth round is almost a travesty. 
uh, to you know, as far as you know, drafting. I understand you love offensive linemen, you build in the trenches, <clears throat> but we needed offensive linemen like Carter D. Liverpool's man. We needed yeah. it, man. Oh, yeah. remember you said that, uh, Landon Dickerson, when you get your chance to meet him, that Eagles didn't. Uh, wasted a pick in the second round. <laughs> I by, the way, by, by the way, Barrett Landon is a big, big boy. My God, if yeah. that's a center, six six three thirty, whew, he is. I don't know. I I think he's going to be fine if he's healthy. Right, but right, right. I don't know. How do you throw over a six foot six center? Well, you know, I I played with a guy like that, Mike Compton, when I was in um with the with the uh, Detroit Lions. Mike Compton about six six. He wasn't as big as him. He's he's about six six, maybe three hundred and ten pounds. But uh, you know, he was he was the same type of guy. You know, he might have been six six and a half, but he right. was able to bend, get low. I don't see him necessarily being a center. I think they're going to make that transition. Sam Model's going to boot over. He's going to be the center, and he's going to pop right in at left guard. Um, he's just a physical type of guy, man. A physical player, nasty. Um, he's 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 polished. He just needs to stay on the field. You know, he has everything that you want from a, a nasty player that's just going to go out there and just choke you every single time. He's going to finish you. And I love him as a player. I just think that he was a luxury player at the time we picked him. And we don't have the time to be a luxury picking type of team. We need yeah. we need D-backs so bad. And I'll, I'll play uh, Howie Roseman for you a little bit. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just judging the moves that the Eagles have and haven't made. He's sitting here during the offseason. He knows where he needs upgrading. Could use some upgrading at uh, the edge on the pass rush. He certainly needs update a cornerback. He's got offers out there. Let's say Nelson is holding out for $5 million and he wants a multi-year deal, and the Eagles don't want to go multi-year, and they don't think he's worth a $5 million player. But Kerrigan, you can get done at three and a half right now. And Howie Roseman looks at it and goes, well, who's the better actual player for this upcoming year? Well, Kerrigan. And I'm getting him for cheaper? Well, yes, maybe I've got a slightly larger need at the cornerback position, but I can't bring myself to pull the trigger and overpay at the cornerback just because I have that big a need. Let me go get a defensive end, and we'll lessen the need for cornerback because we'll get to the quarterback. I, I think exactly. it's playing out in the, the mind of the general manager. I think, in fact, I know that's what he's thinking. I mean, he has to be thinking in that direction because even their draft dictates that, you know. So, I mean, I understand what Howie is trying to do, but I also understand there's nothing like – we get a lot of projects here. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not tired of projects. I want somebody to come in and play that's not a project. And for the past couple of years, that's what we've been doing. We've been getting guys that have potential. Sometimes I want somebody just going to come in from day one and just be an axe kicker. You know what I mean? Go out there and just yeah. go out there and ball. Give me that. I yeah. want that. I want somebody to go out and choke you day one, as you know, regardless, and instead of having somebody that's going, all right, his potential is right there. Why can't we get the guys coming to be instant players? That's what I want, man. I mean, I'm, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. couple dominoes left the ball, though. We talked about Dillard. They can maybe spin Dillard off for a corner. Zach Ertz. I don't think they're going to be able to trade him at this point, but no. post-June 1st, they get a little money. So maybe Steven Nelson becomes in the conversation at that point. Is there another shoe to drop at the cornerback position past, or is Josiah Hill, the Ronald Duck Scott, I, I can't even get his name right at this stage. <laughs> is he the Ronald Darby trade that Howie Roseman was talking about? 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's that's what we have to go into war with. Um, I, I like Zach McPherson. You know, he has the size you want from a cornerback, but he's not going to be ready to play just yet. Yeah. Um, you know, he's by the way, Barrett, I think he's a slot guy too. They have seventy-five slot corners. Right. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, everybody wants to be, you know, five ten, five nine. Give me somebody that you know, a Bobby Taylor. Bobby Taylor yeah. came in with me, six foot five. You know, instant success. Came on the field and played. Why don't we draft in that manner? Why don't we go out and get guys that you know that we know we know we need a second corner to handle uh, number one receivers, number two receivers. We need that because this division has gotten better from the wide receiver position, and we got to be able to cover these guys. We are gonna be, you know be so awful on defense if we don't get guys that can cover and guys that can cover bigger guys. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, man. These guys are big now; they're fast and they're polished. If you don't get pressure on this quarterback, man, it's going to be a long, long season for this Eagles defense. If they're going with quantity over quality, why isn't Craven LeBlanc black? Right. <laughs> uh, I was okay. Guy. With- they might sign him today. Who knows? <laughs> That's what I mean. Just keep adding up the slide guys. One of them's got to be able to step outside and play, right? Put them go together. The quantity over the quality. Right. Maybe we put them together and have them go out there and play, you know, double team. Hey, bring the Cal Roby Coleman back as well. Let's bring them all back. No, I, I saw all enough the slot corners. Way overrated last year. Let's um, collect all the slot corners. But I do, you know. Barrett, it is trenches day on Birds 365. So the biggest question of all, Barrett Brooks, could Barrett Brooks move Hollis Thomas on <laughs> and, and, and the stuff in the run? That's what I want to know. But it, I, I think it'll be a stalemate because, you know, once he roots down, he's not going anywhere too fast. But once yeah. he roots down, he's not going anywhere. Put it like that. He's not getting there too fast, but he's not going anywhere too fast either. He's going to be a root. I remember when they first brought Hollis in. Oh, my goodness. When they brought Hollis in, I was in there with Ray when they brought him in, and I'm sitting there talking to Ray. Ray was like, hey, Brooks, come, come check this guy out. You know, you're from St. Louis. Come check this guy out. Yeah. So I go in, I sit down, and I watch, I'm watching Hollis Thomas. Guess what is playing in the back? Usually you have highlight films, and you don't put music in it. You know, because this is VGR tape. You know, it's VCR. Sure. Hollis Thomas's highlight tape has Eric being Rock M. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. That's in his highlight tape. What that he sent to Ray Rhodes? <laughs> that's, that's he sent that to him. So I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm jamming like, hey, this kid's pretty good. Yeah, Hollis is good. <laughs> we're listening to Eric being Rock M while we're doing it. So that's the type of player Hollis was. He wasn't drafted, but he was moving yeah. the crowd at uh, Northern Illinois, man. Now, yeah, how many inches do you have on Hollis? Probably about five, four, yeah. five. <laughs> I was gonna say you you got you you had some height, but Hollis, when you said uh, when he yeah, sat down, there was very little you could do to move him. No, he no, was no. a tank in his days in the National <laughs> Football League. He's I gotta still a tell tank. you, I gotta tell you, Barrett, that's brilliant to put Eric B and Rock Tim right. on, on your on. You know why? Because my wife loves the voice. I can't stand the show, <laughs> but every time I step in. Like if they have, if they're doing a song that I've recognized, it's automatically better to me. Right. I think, right. I think Hollis was second level there. You you make people like the music, and all of a sudden they say this kid's good. This YouTube before YouTube was even here. Yeah. 
That was yeah. a YouTube moment. You know, you hear the background. I'm sitting there dancing to it, and he is he was demoing out there. He didn't just he didn't, he didn't get an opportunity because he was in Northern Illinois. Yeah, and uh, you know, but as for you know his ability to 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 you know you talk about rerouting receivers. He used to reroute offensive linemen. That's pretty good. <laughs> we used to yeah. double team him, and he used to take one guy and push him off and just sit there with the other guy, hold the other guy like this. Like he, we would literally double team him. He'd have me like this, and then the other guy he'll just throw to the ground. He'll just sit there just like there in the hole. And, yeah. that, and, and, and that'd be the extent of his movement. If the ball came his way, he's going to stop it right there. But he's not chasing anything going the other direction. Yeah. Believe that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll come to me and I'll be ready. Right. <laughs> Those big guys in the middle. Point. I remember Kelsey. Kelsey would tell me, Linval Joseph, man, you oh. could not move that guy. Just well, he's with the strong, Giants? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. could yeah. not move that guy. Just strongest guy in the league. That's what Kelsey told me. No, you know what? I played against a guy named Jumpy Gathers. Jumpy, yes. yeah. Jumpy Gathers was so strong that um, I can remember he. I, I went to uh, – I went to double team him and he had grabbed Steve Everett and he had this thing called this forklift where he would grab it from the back and he push your chest in. And when he put your chest in, it's almost like he picking you up in the air. We call it the forklift and he pick you up in the air and he would actually hurt your back. And he actually ripped Steve's pec muscle by doing Jeez. it. Ripped man. it. This guy was so strong. You couldn't move him at all, man. Jumpy was just like an, a freak of nature. You didn't hear much about him, but he was like, one of the best defensive linemen. Anytime your offensive line played there and he said, man, I hate playing against Jumpy Gavin. I hate playing against Jumpy Gavin. He was the guy guys hated to play against. Yeah. I, I want to say mostly Falcons. Was yeah. he a yep. Falcon guy yeah. more than anything? Yeah. I remember Jumpy yep. Gavin. Jumpy Gavin. He's a pretty damn good yeah. player. You are right. I have one, one more position I want to get into before we let you run, Barrett, and that's tight end. Mm. We know that Dallas Goddard is going to be the starter, although Nick Sirianni probably won't commit to that just yet because right. he loves that competition. <laughs> but we're all pretty sure it's going to be uh, Dallas Goddard. Uh, we know that Zach Ertz is still on the roster. We're all believing that at some point he's going to become an ex-Eagle, either via trade and or a release. Who else is going to play tight end for the Eagles? Um, are, you know, are, are they? Do they have a wink and a nod deal with Richard Rodgers? Hey, once we get Zach out of here, we'll be re-signing you again. Um, right now, with the depth that they're building up in so many positions, with the large roster size that they have, tight end seems a little barren for me. You think they got something up their sleeve at tight end? Well, I mean, they love athletic type of uh, tight ends. You know, um, at this point, you know they they like you know, Khalid Wilson. He played. He played yeah. a lot, you know, when given an opportunity. Um, from that point, I, I I don't know where they else got to the, go. They got the kid uh, who was a quarterback, Jason Buffalo. They got Jason Croom. They got um, Tyree Jackson's trying yes. to do the Logan Thomas thing. Yep. yep, uh, yep. Jack Stoll, who is you know a pretty high undrafted free agent priority wise, they signed him. Uh, he's more of a uh, inline tight end, I think. Uh, they did have that one. They did have what's the name? Butler, Hakeem yeah, Butler. Hakeem Butler caught that he's one about, pass. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> went to him on fourth down, and everybody killed Doug uh, on the goal line. They they threw a fade to him. It didn't work. But right, right. He right. was he was a good receiver. I think at uh, Indiana State, maybe in college. Right. So right. he was he was an over. They got a lot of bodies. It's like cornerback. It's like slot cornerback. Somebody's gonna win that job. By well, the way, I Dallas default. Goddard. By the way, everybody killing Pro Football Focus. They get they put Dallas Goddard as the fifth best tight end in the NFL. 
yesterday. Yeah. I mean, his yak yardage alone, you know, makes you think about him and getting ball to him. Um, you know, when you when you have a guy like Zach Ertz out there, it tends to take a little attention off you. So, of course, his number is going to be a lot better, and they're going to look at him a lot more because nobody's really looking at him because everybody's looking at Zach Ertz, yeah. including the quarterback who just, you know, always looked at him. But, you know, if you're the number one guy, I don't know, can he go out there and be that number one guy that, that you know, everybody focuses on? That's that's where – that's where you know when the guy's worth his salt. You know, when when everybody knows you're going to yeah, get the ball yeah. and you're still, still able to go out there and execute. That's the only thing, man. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, they love competition and competition breeds success because your know, cream rises to the top. So hopefully, you know, the, you know this, this quarterback battle, the tight end battle, there's going to be enough competition on this team that the team gets better. They're not as bad as everybody's thinking right now. There's not as bad, especially they're not as bad as what you think, uh, John. But you know, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, come on. I got him at eight <laughs> wins, Barrett. I got oh, him at did. eight wins. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you're above. You're above the. Um, you know what everybody is saying yeah. right now. Me, yeah. I was you know caught up in you know the 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 um, you know the, when they when they went out and put the schedule out there, and I got caught up a little bit, and I stopped looking at it from the Eagles. You know, I was looking at it like all right. You know, I'm a NFL football player, so looking at this, man, I'm looking at this. Oh, these are gimme games. But, uh, what is this? Um, the Broncos a gimme game. Detroit's a gimme game. I mean, they're going to beat the Saints because the Saints don't have a quarterback. That's a gimme yeah. game. But then I thought about it. Wait a minute. The Eagles are – everybody else is a gimme game. So, yeah, I had, you know, yeah. I had to pump my brakes a little bit. I had them like an 11 yeah. and 6, but then I had to pump my brakes, come back to reality. I'm right around about eight wins, you know, maybe even sneaking in a nine because they're a lot Ooh. better to sneak up on some people. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're glad to hear that. John and I ran it down. We did the win loss, win loss, win loss thing, and we came out both at eight and nine. So we're we're all in the same neighborhood. We're glad you hopped into our neighborhood today. Tell your neighbors over there on the middle we send our regards, Mays and Aton. Now you guys do it all remotely. You can't actually reach over and smack Aton upside the head. That that doesn't. No, work no, too. no. We we can't do it. He he's sick ace on me. His dog. He's sick ace yeah. on me. Uh, <laughs> beware the ace. Barrett, thanks for hopping out with us, brother. You know we'll thanks be uh, calling and get you on in a couple of weeks. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate thanks, it, Barrett. Barrett. Have a good one, now. Barrett Brooks, former Eagle offensive lineman, host on the middle here on the Jacob Media Sports Channel. Uh, we are the Mac and Mac guys. We've still got an hour left to go. Next hour, we will have that fire plug that we discussed last hour. Hollis Thomas, the ex-Eagle defensive lineman. I'm sitting at uh, 60-some-odd percent. John gave him a, an 89%, mm. almost a lot. Yeah, but that he was Xander, be Xander shook my confidence, Jody. Okay. We're, we're, Xander we're, shook my confidence. And I've done shows with Howells on the radio. Great dude. Fun dude. Yeah. If we get him on, we'll have fun with him. I can guarantee you that. Sometimes he shows, sometimes he doesn't. We'll see if he shows with okay. us today. He's scheduled to hop aboard in about 20 minutes right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. 
Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit. The Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. We are the Mac and Mac guys here with you on the Jacob Media Channel. I'm having troubles here, Johnny Mac. I, I need your assistance. Um, Jumpy Gathers. How did he spell his like G A E T H? No, I think it's G E A T H. Gathers. Yes, Gathers. But pronounced more like Gathers. Uh, um, I don't know. Tell you the truth. Um, I think it's just jumpy gathers, but uh, you know, yeah, six seven, uh, let's see, six seven two ninety, Wichita State, Saints, Redskins, Falcons, Broncos, jumpy okay. gathers. Yeah. I was trying to look them up uh quickly, but I was having trouble with the spelling of well. Right and now. here we you go. Want the with... guy up, you got to know how to spell his last name, right? And and by the way, uh, Barrett had mentioned uh. Uh, his forklift rush, that's what it says on his Wikipedia page, famous <laughs> for his forklift rush in which he picked up the blocker and carried him to the quarterback. That was the kind of player Jumpy Gathers was. Um, and we appreciate Barrett coming on. We're hoping, crossing fingers for Hollis Thomas coming up about 20 minutes from now. Um, J-Mac, I want to hop back to the, the quarterback discussion we were having before he came on. You got to lead off the press gathering with uh, Mr. Hertz yesterday. And, right, the fact that the Eagles made him one of the players available to the media on their first day of the offseason workouts 
although these were, remember, not mandatory, these were optional that the players all agreed to show up for, that the amount of work that they're doing is uh, negotiated. And I just can't stand the fact that coaches don't have the uh, ability to coach and prepare their team the way that they want. It's all negotiated in a collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, anymore. No. But I got to, I got to suck it up. That's what it is. Yeah. I'm not going to change it. Am I complaining about it here on birds? 365 isn't going to change it either, but uh, the Eagles did make a statement. People were trying to read into the fact that, Ooh, they refused to name him their starting quarterback. Why won't the coach just come out and say he's a starting quarterback? Sometimes actions speak louder than the words. And they put him out there with Brandon Graham, grizzled yeah. veteran, Super Bowl winner. They put him out there with Jason Kelsey, uh, grizzled veteran, Super Bowl winner. Oh, and where's this Hurts kid come from? Well, it's because he's going to be the starting quarterback of the team, uh, which I'm looking forward to. I think he's got a chance to do uh, good things for the Eagles this year. And it got me thinking yesterday, who do you think is going to be the Eagles starting quarterback in 2022? We've been speculating on it now for a while that uh, because the Eagles have all this draft capital, they have optionality, that they can do a lot of different things. We know that Jalen Hurts is going to start injuries uh, aside uh, the first game in 2021 and the most games in 2021, hopefully all games in 2021. But who's going to be their starting quarterback in 2022? I ask you today, knowing full well you can change your mind, situations change over time, but on uh, May 20th, who do you think is going to be the Eagles' starting quarterback in 2022? Yeah, I've been pretty consistent with this, Jody. I do not think it's going to be Jalen Hurts, and I hope I'm wrong, which I think I tried to express in the first hour as well. I think it's going to be Deshaun Watson and or a top five pick. Um, And that could be, again, we talked about quarterbacks. You like Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields to a certain degree. Everybody's got their own flavor. Um, Is it going to be Sam Howell? Is it going to be uh, Willis, the kid from Liberty? Is it going to be Slovis? Is it going to be Spencer Rattler? And there's a fifth one I can't think of off the top of my head. Kind of depends on what you like and how he says it all the time. Uh, So I don't think it's going to be Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think they'll try for the home run if available, and that's Deshaun Watson. If not, I think it's going to be a top top five pick. And, you know, it depends how bad they are this year, how much they might have to go up. But they have all the capital to go up if they need to go up and get the quarterback they want. And that's 2022. You know that my preference for 2022 would have been Justin Fields if they could have, could have been able to get their hands on him. But that's now. Oh, they could have. They, they he fell into their laps. They didn't want him, Jody. I know they they passed, which yeah. I think is going to be something that they will uh, look back on. And I don't know about rue the day, but feel oh we missed out on an opportunity. But I'm perfectly fine with Jalen Hurts in 2022. I actually think he's going to have a good enough year. You and I discussed this uh, either at the end of last week or previously this week. How much, we can talk about the intangibles all day. At some point, 
he's going to have to put some numbers on a piece of paper. He's going to have to achieve some things, Jalen Hurts. He's going to have to do some things that you can sink your teeth into, not just take his teammates and or his coach's word that, oh, he's delivering all the intangibles. He's going to have to deliver plays and put stats up and throw touchdown passes and accrue wins. I think he's going to be good enough to keep this job. I don't know that the given the Eagles are going in a different direction. I think he's going to be that starting quarterback at the beginning of 2022 as well. Well, my philosophy has always been, I think he's going to be better than people expect. And by people, I mean, not necessarily fans. I mean, you have a group of fans that think he's going to be great. So he's not going to be that good. You have a group of fans that think he's going to be terrible. It's going to be somewhere in the middle as it usually is. Um, but I just know how the Eagles think, and they don't want to be stuck in that quarterback purgatory. We we had Ross Tucker on earlier in the week, and he said, you know, 15 to 20 is good enough. I don't think it is good enough for this team. That's just my thought process. In other words, if you're the 15th or 20th best quarterback, they don't want that. They understand you got to be in that top 10. They understand you have to have elite level play at that position to win consistently consistently now it's easy to say that it's difficult to get it um can they get it can they you know they can get it with Deshaun Watson you know that Barrett Brooks just talked about your definitiveness at the cornerback position sometimes you just want somebody who can play you don't want a prospect you don't want potential give me somebody who can play maybe the Eagles go that route with Deshaun Watson because remember not only can he play, he's also very young, whereas Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are not. So you have a short shelf life there or shorter, where Watson is a very rare quarterback for obvious reasons that is going to be available in the prime of his career as a top five player. I think they will do everything humanly possible to acquire him if it becomes a possibility. How big is the price going to be on Watson? And we don't even know that Watson's going to become available yet. Cara, uh, excuse me, tech, the Texans have said to this point, they're not trading him, which again, none of it's what we hear and what we believe. None of us believe that they are uh, yeah. slamming the door on someone who will come to the table with a very big offer for him. I think they will eventually open that door and I think they'll eventually pull the trigger on a deal. Um, we've got to work our way through all the regal legal wrangling and uh, get over certain hurdles for him to even become eligible to go somewhere else. But that should happen over time. How high is high? What is the price tag going to be? If you believe the price tag has been discounted some because of all the issues that he has off the field. And, and if these issues are provable, that's pretty questionable character. And he's going to have to go in and show these intangibles for his new football team that, might not be what every single football team wants, but the talent level, as you put it uh, correctly, so and the age is something that just doesn't hit the market. Yeah. You don't get a chance to acquire a player like this. Never. So how is how high is high? I know the Eagles have three first round picks. Is that only going to be the start of the offer? How much higher are they going to have to go? How many teams are going to be in on the bidding on Deshaun Watson? You know, it's interesting because there is this theory that it will be discounted because of the problems. However, I don't think anybody is going to make the move unless there's certainty. So to me, 
the problems aren't going to exist. You might have a six-game suspension. You might have a 10-game suspension, whatever. But there's going to be some certainty. And at that point, I think it bounces back up. So when people speculate, oh, yeah, you're going to get a discount. Well, you might get a discount today, but nobody's trading for them because they don't want that headache. And if he is, worst-case scenario, banned from the NFL, suspended, uh, put in prison, which would be the worst-case scenario for him, nobody's going to make the move. So to me, the discount isn't going to apply. Only will a trade come into existence once everything is cleared up, and then it goes right back to where it was, and you start thinking about maybe three first-round picks, maybe a player or two. It's going to be big, Jody. It's going to be a big, big package. Huge, huge ask that the Texans are going to have if they move away from Deshaun Watson. And to their credit, and I saw Sills play last year, there were, uh, you know, we had mock guys on, and uh, I talked to a bunch of guys who have uh, opinions on drafted quarterbacks. I wasn't as big a fan of him as uh, some other guys were, but to use a draft pick. Now, remember, the Texans didn't have draft picks this year. They traded their first and second draft pick in previous trade. They didn't pick until the third round. So to use a fourth-round pick on a quarterback when Deshaun Watson is still on your roster kind of tells you something, that they've already made the decision. This is not going to work out here. We're not going to be able to put these pieces back together. There's not going to be any salvaging this. They're going to have to go in another direction, and they have at least a potential uh, quarterback, youth quarterback, young quarterback, to be able to step in and, and take his place. We'll find out over time. By the way, they signed it. I think they signed Jeff Driscoll yesterday. They have like five quarter quarterbacks now. They, they, they're collecting quarterbacks like the Eagles have slot corners. Right, uh, slot corners. And, so, and- I mean, look, they know Deshaun Watson is not playing for them this year, period. End of sentence. Uh, the only question is, can things get cleared up and can they move them in time? And that's going to be the interesting part. Um, we have not heard from Deshaun Watson. And I'm assuming we're not going to hear oh, from Deshaun no. Watson. Lawyers are smart. They tell you yeah. that uh, there's too great a chance that you shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, am I just holding out hope here that at some point we're going to get at least a nugget from him? And am I just mm. whistling in the wind? Nah, Rusty Harden's too smart. He did... Uh... He did post something on Instagram about him working out. So he's still, you know, moving forward with the intent on playing in 2021. And that's why, you know, we we talked about a lot, whether it's Jason Lacanfora, Peter King, Diana Rossini. They keep putting two and two together. But it's not just the Eagles, Jody. It's it's the Dolphins, it's the Panthers. There will be other people in the mix for Deshaun Watson if and when the time is right. It's not going to just be the Eagles. Uh, that's And, you know, the funny part about it is, and the Eagle fans aren't going to want to hear this, the biggest competition might come from right here in the division. I know oh, yeah, that Ryan, Fitz, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a yeah. nice uh, hold-down-the-fort, one-year kind of guy has become the – rent the robo quarterback for teams yeah. and he'll probably make the, the Washington football team better next year, but he's not the future of anything. 
they're a big time player. And I'll continue to say this, and I know that I'm ticking off giant fans everywhere. I don't think Daniel Jones, I think Daniel Jones is basically in the same or should be in the same position. Maybe I'm putting him in this position. I don't know if the Giants are, but I think he should be. It's a make it or break it year for him, too. As much as it's a go out and prove it and show it to us, Jalen Hurts type year, I think it's the same thing for Daniel Jones. They went out and added more yeah. offensive weapons this offseason than maybe any team in football. And they basically come out and said, Daniel Jones, if you're good enough, you can't do this with this offense. Then the problem isn't us. The problem is you, Daniel Jones. So I would not be surprised if the Giants were in the mix to try and make a play for a guy like Deshaun Watson this upcoming offseason. Yeah, I could see the Giants next year if it lasts that long. And as you mentioned, Jan Daniel Jones fails. I can't see them being in the conversation if it happens this year. Uh, but you're right. I mean, on paper, the Giants adding Kenny Galladay to what they already had at receiver. And, oh, by the way, Kadarius Toney as well. I'm not as high on him as some other people. Uh, but more importantly than anything, Saquon Barkley's back. So, I mean, if that guy's out there for 16 games, that's pretty good. That should help your quarterback a lot. And if you can't succeed with that kind of threat in the backfield with those receivers, they got two tight ends even. They brought in Kyle Rudolph uh, with, with Eric Ebron. I mean, they got a lot of skill position talent, no question. Now, the offensive line is still yeesh. If you, if you know this date, please give it to me. Um, I don't off the top of my head, so I'm kind of asking you to pick me up here. Uh, the NFL trade deadline. To the NFL's credit, two years ago, four years ago, yeah. five years ago, whatever, they, they moved it. They've moved it a couple times, as a matter of fact. But for years, it was way too early in the season. It was like week four. And the philosophy always was it takes time to get up to speed and to learn playbooks. So we want to give the guys a chance. So if you're going to make a trade, you're going to have to do so basically in the first month of the season. But then you've got three months to get them up to speed and get them ready for the playoffs. That's why the NFL got the least in-season trades of any sport on the planet. And someone in the commissioner's office was bright enough to go, wait, wh why aren't yeah. we? They get such buzz off the Major League Baseball trade deadline and the NBA trade deadline, and lesser extent, but better than what the NFL used to be, the NHL trade deadline. And we get nothing because nobody ever makes a trade. So they wisely pushed it back. Do you know exactly when it is this upcoming season? Yeah, it's right around Halloween now. So it's that Tuesday. Last year was Election Day, so it was easy. So it was November 3rd, I believe. Um, so it's right around there, early November, right around Halloween. So, And, and uh, you you think that uh, the, the Texans quarterback will become a former Texans quarterback before that? Well, that, I mean, that, that, that has everything to do with the legal stuff. Right. Look, that, that nobody has any uncertainty. All I've said is Rusty Harden seems a little bit more confident lately. That, that might, I, I've said it before, the term I use, that might mean nothing. It might be everything. 
if, if he's cleared, he's going to be traded by then. No question. You think that's going to happen yeah. before the trade deadline? We shall see. I uh, What I see is that we've got a guest who's going to be ready to join us. <laughs> Coming up in just a couple of minutes, it is the fire plug himself, former Eagle defensive tackle. Hollis Thomas is going to hop aboard with us here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Together here on Bird 365, McDonald and McMullen hanging with you, and we've added a little size to the show. Neither John nor I is undersized, but we are not extra large. Our next guest is that's what kept him in the National Football League for years. Disruptor along the defensive line, Hollis Thomas joins us here on Birds 365. In a minute, Hollis, how you been, buddy? Pretty good. It's been a quite some time. Jody Mack, how you been? I'm doing well. You look good, my friend. You look like you could go out and play. Uh, thanks, man. I, <laughs> I've, uh, I just try to maximize my sexy being 
being a single young man, you know, <laughs> you can't walk up on ladies looking a mess. But <laughs> I love I, I I love the damn Skippy and 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 the Hollis <laughs> Thomas right there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Hollis, we had uh, we had Barrett Barrett Brooks on as well. Uh, so okay. we had. Yeah, we, we got a trenches show, and you're on the defensive side of the ball for us. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, I want to start you off uh, uh, with the Eagles defensive line, since that's mm-hmm. obviously your expertise. Uh, change from uh, Jim, Swart to, Jim Swartz to Jonathan Gannon. You got Tracy Rocker, the D-line coach. Uh, what do you see from the talent of this team, starting with Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and then you talk about the young guys and Milton Williams's of the world. A little bit different from your time, but how do you think these pieces fit? Well, uh, initially, um, when they drafted the kid in the third round, I was uh, – eh. but uh, but if, if you want to start with Fletcher Cox, I think this defense will actually um, – I think it'll it'll be better for him. Mainly because you have, if they if they do get a linebacker, which we haven't had in quite some time, a lot of people keep on keep on talking about our secondary, which is which is uh, has got a bunch of holes in it, and then they start talking about the front not getting that much pressure. But the front seven seven is never going to get no pressure without a true quarterback in the middle. We don't have a safety, and we don't have a middle linebacker. So those guys can only do so much. But I think I think uh, being with uh, Gannon. And the way and the style of defense that they're talking about playing, I think I think it'll 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 help out the guys the guys in the trenches a whole lot more. I think they'll be less tired at the end of the game. We'll be able to fight fight more fight more longer and better. Uh, but but I think they'll spend less time on the field, especially if they go if they go the ways of, of the of the Indianapolis's and the and the uh, Minnesotas and the, and the defenses that Gannon's been a part of. Do you think, uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you break broken down film on a guy, but I know you've seen him play some. The Eric Wilson uh, acquisition, he played a lot for Minnesota, and he made mm-hmm. plays for Minnesota. You right. know, he was getting opportunities because some pretty good Minnesota linebackers got hurt last year. But I thought it was a pretty damn good signing by the Eagles during the offseason. The way you described the linebacker that the Eagles need, mm-hmm. is Eric Wilson capable of filling that uh, role for the birds? Well, well, you know, I think we're going to find out pretty much because uh, somebody else said, why was he on the on the street, so to speak? And I was like, if you pay attention to some of the acquisitions, the coaches are going to get guys that they're familiar with and they can run their scheme and that they know that are pretty decent. Yeah, and you put him on some one-year deals, some one-year mercenary deals. It's a prove it to me. We're not we're not totally invested in you, so this is his opportunity to prove it. He did uh, good at spot duty last year. He was under he was an undrafted guy, so every time he's uh he's got the opportunity, he sees the second. To me, to me that that's that's great for us, especially this year because we should we should get the best out of him. And that, and he's the kind of linebacker that we've been looking for. If you've noticed, we've passed on. Pretty much every linebacker, whether it was <laughs> whether it was to draft uh, a player that's hurt twice, <laughs> twice in Sydney, and everybody keeps talking about the kid, uh, the kid out of uh, out of Alabama who we drafted this year, passed on, on some uh, tremendous linebackers. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like drafting. Uh, it's kind of like going out and buying digital can goods. I'm not, I'm not buying digital can goods and, and, and oh. paying. And paying undented prices, so um, it's, it remains to be seen. Everybody keeps talking about what he can do, what he can do. Prove it to me. 
You haven't been you haven't been healthy for an entire season, and yet we still we, we're still here talking about that particular position because every time every time yeah. we go into the draft, we do a head scratching thing, especially the second second round. We've done Sidney Sidney Jones, and now and now this kid who everybody says is good, but he hasn't been healthy for an entire one. One one entire one entire college season, which pissed me off to no end when I saw it happening. Yeah, so. Jet Hollis, you mentioned something interesting to me when you talked about the shift in the coaching staff, and maybe it's going to help out the defensive line. Maybe they were a little gassed. Uh, a lot of wide nine under Jim Schwartz, more of a, I guess, a movement based front. If you think about what Mike Zimmer does, and maybe that's the direction. Jonathan Gannon goes. How does that help a defensive line when you talk about fourth well, it, quarter? It, well, it gives you it gives you an opportunity to do some movements and, and and not be stagnant all the time. If you looked at Jim Schwartz's uh, defense, even when we tried to blitz, it looked pathetic because you you don't practice it. It's like it, it'll be. I think it'll be more blitzes. Uh, there'll be more more movement based. And when you move and stuff, you're not always where the offense offense wants you to be. So you, you might be over here, then you may move on, on the snap of the rock. Uh, there, there should be some other sub-style sub blitzes, uh, some, uh, bl- some zone pressures, and some, some other things that we hadn't seen them do in quite some time. And it'll be, it'll be refreshing to see something other than damn why not. It'll be refreshing to see a quarterback not be able to stand back there and pat the ball a few times because they've, they've put max protection up or they've just kept an extra person in to block four. Let me get your expertise on a former Eagles defensive lineman, as in just this past year. Mm -hmm. They made an aggressive move, went out and got Malik Jackson a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, the first year goes by the board with an injury, knocks him out for the entire year. Returned last year. They went out and got Hargrave as well, so they really bolstered up the defensive tackle position. Uh, I thought Malik Jackson was okay last year. I knew there was a good chance the Eagles weren't going to be able to retain him because the contract was too big, and that's exactly what it ha- what happened. He ended up jumping ship. How would you have graded Malik Jackson's year last year? Um, he was he was inconsistent. He was inconsistent, and he got a, a bunch of unnecessary uh, penalties in different situations, a bunch of unnecessary roughness penalties, a bunch of uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, which is detrimental to the team and self. To me, it's selfish. You know what the hell you're doing. And unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike un- 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 conduct penalties, it kills the defense. Um, and other than that, when, when Fletcher Cox got hurt, both of those guys disappeared. So to me, they to me they weren't uh, earning a keep. And, it, and, it, and it's like uh, when, you, um, when you don't earn your keep and you give them a reason to go out and shop for more stuff, that's only your fault. So – it's pretty much his fault he's not here because if he was making plays, we'll be be, be having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that same, yeah. What I was going to say was, well, at your position, when everybody starts talking about we need somebody at the position, we need somebody at the position, and they're chirping, it's mainly because you're not doing what the hell you're supposed to be doing. So if you want people to stop saying that, what do you do? You go out and you do it. You do what you're supposed to do. You do your job. Hollis, in that same vein, Javon Hargrave, because he came over from Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and played the 3-4. So, uh, to me, early in the season, he looked like he was trying to find his way. Right. But he got he got better as the season went on and on. Did you see the same kind of thing? 
I saw I saw a little bit of the same thing. I, I saw once he started learning what to do and how to do it. It's kind of like a guy with any. It's you feel your way around. You you know what to do. It's but instinct. You want to be. You want to get a guy to where he's moving instinctively instead of um, instead of just kind of knowing the answer. It's kind of like in, yeah. in class when you know the answer. You kind of like you can't. You think you know the answer. You like instead of when you know the answer. It's different. You think you know the answer. You know yeah. that. That's what you want. Defensively, that's what you want. So when a guy when a guy knows the answer and he's hitting people in the mouth, yeah, we're not having these conversations about people at their position. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did, and you know, and I, I've, I've been with uh, Jody and uh, all these guys for, for quite some time. And you know, when I played, I used to get pissed because sometimes they'd be talking about my position, and then I start thinking, I was like. Well, hell, if I was doing my job, you know, they wouldn't be talking about getting rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well then I'm going to I'm going to turn back the clock with you again, Hollis, okay. uh, and ask you about when you played. OK. Uh, one of my favorite plays watching mm-hmm. football on a weekend, week out basis mm-hmm. is the defensive line stunt. Mm-hmm. I love it when a perfectly timed defensive line stunt gets a guy into the backfield and he gets his hands on the quarterback. Now, yeah. I'm trying to remember your career as best I could. I think mm-hmm. you probably have a better grasp on it. You yeah. weren't a major stunting guy. You weren't the guy who was going to be sneaking outside and using mm-hmm. his speed to get to the quarterback because mm-hmm. they didn't see it coming. Maybe it was effective because they didn't see it coming because you didn't do it all that often. Mm-hmm. Who was your best teammate to stunt with? Well, I, you know what? I, um, I, the first couple of years, I, I learned how to stunt and be really, really good, really, really good at it. So I could, I could do the stunts with everybody. Because what I, what I learned from, uh, from my coaches, from, uh, from, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Mike Turkovic and uh, and Tommy Brazier, don't be selfish in the stunt. If the stunt, if 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 you're meant to come free, you're going to come free. So they used to, uh, I used to just try to try to get a good stunt. I used to get good stunts with Hugh Douglas, uh, with uh, Corey Simon. Because you, if you, as long as you're not selfish, eventually you're gonna come free, or you may come free. If sometimes you have to give yourself up, and when you give right. yourself up, sometimes they're not expecting that because you're you're, you're the penetrator, and the looper sometimes comes around free, and so and when you come around as a looper, don't always expect to be free. Expect there maybe to be some work there, and if you expect them there to be some work there, you will destroy it because you've got up some speed. Weight and hand, and hand and hand position, so I love. I used to love to do all the stunts because it gave me an opportunity to move instead of somebody double teaming me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Hollis. As long as we're reminiscing, I want to take you back to I guess '96 when mm-hmm. you were undrafted, coming out of uh, coming out of college, and obviously you lasted. 13 years, I think, in this league. 15 to be exact, but who's counting? Yeah, but so a long time. Uh, Barrett, Barrett Brooks just told us a story. He remembered, I want to see if you remember this. When they were looking at your highlight tape, you had Eric B. and Rakim on there as music. Right. And I wanted to know if you did that on purpose to get people (laughs) excited to watch the highlights. Well, I had to pick, you know, in in picking music, at the uh, at the time, uh, gangster rap was uh, the thing to do. A lot of curse words. You you go with the people uh, who are saying what you're trying to say. The song was uh, "I Ain't No Joke" by <laughs> Eric B. and Rakim. Yeah, and uh, there was another song um, by Eric B. and Rakim uh, called "How Can I Move the Crowd?" Move the crowd. And then the last song was uh, "Can I Get Down" by um, 
rest his soul is uh is a uh, Craig Mack. So I try to pick uh, the songs, but I pick small excerpts from each song to show what I was doing on tape, and to uh to, yeah, and pretty much like you said to, to be to be catchy, and it and it, and it worked eventually. And it worked, worked. you know. Yeah, it eventually, worked eventually because <laughs> I was I was coming from Northern Illinois, so uh, at that time we were not um, highly touted in the football yeah. in the football region. Over, over the years, did any undrafted guys come? You know, once you got entrenched in the league, did any undrafted guys come up to you and say, "Look, how'd you do this? How'd you get? How'd you get the eye of the coaching staff? How, how'd you? How'd you accomplish this?" Well, I, I, I think uh, I think a lot of guys did what I did, but I don't think they did it to the extent that I did it, probably. And uh, you know, you know what? It's like uh, they didn't really come up. You just got that 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 air of respect. Uh, more respect than the draft pick gets because uh, when when draft picks, what I have learned when draft picks come in, they um, I was and actually the funny thing is I was, we were just talking about this the other day. Uh, guys who who get drafted later and guys who uh, come in as free agents, you come in with a chip on your shoulder because you feel like everybody skipped you over and don't they don't they don't think you belong. So you spend most you spend all your time trying to kick people in the teeth to let them know that you belong there. And that that chip grows, and the the guys who who kind of like um, piss the opportunity away tend to be those guys who who are, who are gifted, who are, who are drafted, who are drafted and drafted in the first and second round. It's kind of it, it's kind of funny to me. I was talking to some of the executives, and you see some guys with uh, tremendous talent, and um, once they get to the NFL, it's like, where the hell did they go? It's like, well, they they stop working on their craft. They they get they get lazy, they they get complacent and too confident, and then when somebody kicks them in the teeth. They don't know which way to go. So uh, you, you come in with a chip on your shoulder, and then once you learn that it's a job, and then everybody keeps – I don't know if you guys have uh, spoken about this, but they keep talking about time off and not doing things competitively. Your job yeah. your job is to be an NFL player. Your job is to put people in the stands. Your job is to entertain the masses of your team. And it's like when you start talking that bull crap about, about – you know it's voluntary – the, the voluntary mini camps, but if you want to be on the team, I I know for I'm no point blank. You can't walk in off the street and play football. You have to practice. You have to re not even reinvent yourself. You have to re retrain yourself each and every year. And what you're seeing now is a crappy a, a bunch of guys with crappy habits who think that they're working out and all this and that, and then they get hurt when they get into real football because nothing, I'm telling you, nothing nothing can get you ready for playing football but playing football. And that, guys are getting mad because they get you get hurt on your own. If you get hurt off the job, yeah, I'm not paying you. You didn't get hurt on my watch. We have a program here where you also get paid to come in, we're not asking you to do any, asking you to do anything extra, but we actually you you coming in and you get paid to come in. It's like it's your job, it's your job <laughs> to pay and pay. And you get hurt somewhere, and now you're bitching and moaning because they don't want to pay your salary. Well, you did get hurt. You did not get hurt at work. You might have got hurt doing work things because you don't want to be here. <laughs> if you don't want to be at work, don't bitch and moan when you don't get hurt at work and you're not getting paid from work. Hollis making some excellent points about how the game has changed. Yeah. Let me take you down another road on that. Okay. Um, again, been a couple of years since you were out. You stayed as long in the league as you did. So back when you first came in, the way the game was officiated was a little different than it right. is today. 
and sorry, Mr. Defensive Tackle, <laughs> almost every change in officiating seems to benefit the offense. Yes, it everything does. is to allow the offense yeah. to get the ball down the field more often, quicker, and putting points on the board. Could you play in the NFL today? I, I would probably have to adjust. Uh, the the things that they're doing today is so, is so excuse my friend, bitchy. And so it's like, it's, it's horrible. You have to lay down a quarterback and give him a, a, a shot yeah. to massage or, 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 or it's a penalty. <laughs> they, they make the most, they make the most on the team point blank and you can't get hit him with a quality, uh, quality legal hit. You have to, you have to get just after, after getting beat up by two guys or one or two guys, you have to come out to control and hit them between their shoulder, not up here and their and, their, and above their knees. Uh, this is it's called football for a reason. It's a, it's a, it's a gladiator esque type sport. Uh, if you if you're weak at heart, like a lot of the guys they keep talking about, all the gladiators. Those guys are not gladiators. It's no fear factor coming over the middle anymore. You you catch the ball coming over the middle. Yeah. You might get somebody who who may lay a legal hit in, but I guarantee you, some blind son of an onion from the uh, from the officiating team is going to throw lob a flag. From the other side of the field, which he probably wasn't watching, the officiating stinks now, point blank. It's a, and it's gone. It's it's kind of it's it messes up the game sometimes when they make the game about more than them. That's supposed to be seen and not heard. It's like I see I see holding every play, but they don't call that. Yeah, and it's it's no no the officials in general they stink. It's just, and it just, if you if you don't want no you know anything the, the egregious calls from, that didn't get called by, on the Saints. Uh, uh, for the Saints. Oh yeah, and the championship game. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. And then you find out that the that the guy who didn't make the call was <laughs> it was four. I don't know if you guys remember that play. There yeah. was four. There was four penalties in that one play. There was illegal contact and hitting the defenseless receiver. <laughs> the pass interference and the guy he didn't make any of the calls. Yeah, and that was that was the Cal Roby Coleman too. Yeah, we had we had we had Roby yeah. Coleman. Yeah, which he which he got a lot of penalties. But when you look at all the penalties, and the offense is still uh, getting getting their ass kicked, unless you know how soft offense players are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I mean look, look. Up, you know, you said Hollis. You said you're talking about working out and and off. Uh, you know away from the facility and, mm-hmm. and guys not coming in and, and there's no seven on seven. There's no well, there's 11 on 11, seven, but there's no one-on-one pass rush and they don't, yeah. they don't want anything that's competitive. What the hell do you think you're playing? Yeah. <laughs> now there's no, there's no mandatory mini camp. Now they, yeah. they scrapped that. So, but I'm sure you see, you have mm-hmm. all these guys with personal tutors around the country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's pass rush guys, there's offensive line guys, there's quarterback guys, mm-hmm. and and I never saw more four threes in my life when you're right. talking about combine and pro days and, mm-hmm. and receivers running. Yep. Are these guys practicing for combine drills or are they practicing for football? They're practicing combine drills because as soon as they get into the camp, what they pull, they pull a hammy, or they strain a quad. Or they, or they, they put it. They twist in the ankle. You're not. It's, it's just, just like we, just like I just said. You're not going to be able to play football unless you practice football with the people that you're playing with and against. All the, all those chumpy, all those, those people 
who uh, get you in shape. That's cool for the you get. We got the longest off season of any sport. That's cool for what you for for the off season leading up to you having to be here and getting your ass in shape and ready for football. See what what they're giving us is a bum product with the even with training camp. Training camp is is a country club now. Yeah. So you tell me now you don't get to do really anything competitive until training camp. It's going to be the, the first few, few games of the season and the preseason are going to look like a pile of dung, point blank, <laughs> a big old pile of it. Because uh, because as a defensive lineman, as a lineman in general, you, you, you those camps help you out. Each rep helps you out, helps you get your footwork down, your hand placement. It teaches you the teaches you to get back into the mode of of, uh, of having low pad level. Watch, you're going to see a lot of guys that are going to be pretty much standing up fighting. <laughs> fighting as as a big dog, and you're gonna see a lot of guys pulling hamstrings and having soft tissue injuries because you haven't practiced playing football and got yourself in red. No matter what you do, nothing gets you ready for football like football. Pile of dung. That's gonna be a yeah. word picture that stays with me all day long. I appreciate that, Hollis. Um, I do want to run this one by you. Yeah. You played for a bunch of different coaches, different teams. Uh, certainly different personalities with the guy with the biggest whistle of all. Nick Sirianni is 113 days into his era here Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. We've not seen him coach a play yet, let alone an entire game yet. Mm -hmm. We've judged him off what he said in the press conferences and how he's handled his business to the point. Is Nick Sirianni the kind of coach you could have played for? Yeah, I've seen I've seen him uh, I've seen him on a few different occasions. I was cracking up because everybody was making a big deal out of what he said and what he did. This is the guy's first coaching job. The yeah. thing that stuck with me was uh, competition at each and every position. Earning your job. We've been we've been we've been sitting we've been uh, in an era of Eagles football where we've seen people being given their job, and I was getting sick and tired of guys getting complacent because they think that they. You haven't earned anything, i.e. Carson Wentz. Everybody, you ran, you ran Nick Foles out of town, and now you get pissed off because you lead the league in interceptions, and they finally take your happy ass out. I'm getting sick and tired of complacent jerks not earning their keep, point blank. You can't, you can't get mad because somebody takes you out because you're stinking up the joint. When you stick up the joint, sit your ass down and, and, try, to re- and try to get back out there. That's the, only thing, that's the only thing you can do. Don't go over there and pout and stuff. And everybody was saying, "Oh, he's being such a great, a great teammate." No, the hell, he's not. He's been asking, asking you to get out of town since Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. And everybody told him, "So, well, how are you going to let him go? Because he had an MVP style season." No, he didn't. He didn't win. He got hurt. <laughs> so yeah. you haven't done anything for me. That, that, but, but, I, I, but, uh, sorry, I went on a tangent there because hey, people were nah. pissed off with that, with that Carson Wentz stuff and and not earning your job. But that was the main thing in listening to him. And 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 know and kind of kind of just knowing him as a coach a little I only know him a little bit and he's extremely competitive and the other thing that he said that I really loved was I don't everybody wasn't probably paying attention because he kind of he was kind of buffooning it around a little bit but he said he said he was going to put the guys that he had in optimal positions to maximize their ability now yeah. when you hear a coach say that he he doesn't have just a single scheme like with, with the wide nine. Oh, when Chip Kelly came here, they came with that crappy three-four and tried to make people out of outside linebackers to the defensive end. Those, those are college-esque coaches that are not going to last. When you, when a coach yeah. says that he's going to, he's going to 
maximize the potential, or not, not even the potential, the skill set of each player and use them uh, to help the team. You love to hear that because you know you're going to get some plays, but you know you know you have to you, have, you know you have to do them well, or that your number is not going to get called again. So that that yeah. was two things that stuck with me: competition and putting players in optimal position to maximize their skill set. Yeah, and I think the positive part to that, Hollis, if you look at Nick Nick Sirianni in Indianapolis, you know they had Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers. Three very different quarterbacks over three yep. years, and they managed to have a good offense. One, one all decent, the time. one decent, one decent kid, and two two overrated bums to me. Yeah, two turnover, two I've, turnover, I've, machine, two turnover machines, and one guy that quit on them right in it, and then thought nobody was supposed did. to know in the preseason. But and three they, different quarterbacks—that's right. important yeah. to me because you Look. build your offense around the quarterback and what he does well. The one thing, John, that I did like uh, that Nick Sirianni and, uh, and Frank Reich was able to do with Phillip Rivers was cut out the turnovers. He had ten less yeah. interceptions in his previous season. Yeah. So, uh, and and I watched I watched a lot of their games because I like Frank Reich is my guy. Yeah. Uh, he was like a lot, uh, and uh, and they actually protected Phillip Rivers from himself. He was sticking up the joint in a few games, and they started running the ball and throwing screen pass screen plays. So. If it, if it had to, if they had to had a quarterback with a little bit more accuracy and uh, less gunslinger essness, they might have been they might have been playing in a uh, NFC Championship against Kansas City. If Kansas Frank, if Frank Frank is your guy, apparently he didn't consult you about Carson <laughs> Wentz because well, he, well, you see, weren't yeah. very complimentary about Carson Wentz just a couple of minutes ago. Your well, boy Frank well, thinks he's got a winner out there. He's well, singing Frank, his well, praise. He's ready to put his neck out for Carson <laughs> Wentz. Well, he didn't do too much of putting his neck out there. They, I don't think we didn't even get a first round pick for Carson. So that ain't, that's not that's not stretching neck up, and you really don't have a quarterback. So you know you know a guy. This is this kind of goes back to Nick Sirianni and them. They know some guys at uh, and Gannon. They know some guys, so they're going to bring some guys in. See, Frank Reich knows what he has in Carson, but I guarantee you he has no qualms or trepidations about letting his ass go or sitting his ass down, and he will do what Frank Reich said. That was the complacent part. That once Frank Reich left, apparently, apparently uh, Carson was changing plays and doing whatever the hell he wanted to do, and sticking up the joint doing it to me. And I, I and watching it, it, watching it made my eyes bleed a little bit. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hollis, last one from me, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope no the move, move went well uh, for you. But, uh, you know, Brooks was talking to us earlier, and he gave us jumpy gathers mm-hmm. as, as somebody who is incredibly strong on the defensive line. You're known as a guy who can't be moved off the ball. Mm-hmm. Give me the strongest offensive lineman, the guy who, who, who could maybe – at least attempt to push you off the ball a little bit that you played against. You, you know, I, I used to go against Larry Adam a lot, and, then, oh, yeah. and, and we used to we used to, we actually used to battle. And the coaches used to say, "I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing because it started it started happening from the from my early years when I first when I first got to the Eagles." They said I, I didn't know any better, but I, I used to like the battles with him. Uh, Will Shields uh, was really Will good. Uh, Brian Waters, they, the, the guys I'm speaking of, you had to come with your A game. Uh, what's the other? This is another guy, uh, Bruce Matthews. He wasn't strong, but he when I when I went against him, he was he was crafty, and uh, I would just try to get those guys all that they wanted. It, it would be like it would be pretty much like an an epic battle of like uh, a Gork versus Godzilla, something like that. <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla, some, you know, some, some uh, an epic battle like that uh, on the interior. 
And so, and uh, what was the, um, I used to kick the crap out of Randall McDaniel. He sucked to me. Oh, uh, that's a Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah, kick the crap out of Randall wow. McDaniel. Go back, and look, wow. go back and look when he played, when he was supposedly good in uh, Minnesota, when I, wow. when I think it was my first or second year, and I destroyed him. His wow. lunch was I, right. I destroyed it when he played for Tampa Bay, too. On the playoff game, I had four tackles and a sack. Go look it up. All right. <laughs> wow. And what's the other? Every, pretty much all the guards in every. There's a couple of guards that's in the Hall of Fame who I, I took their lunch. Basically, I have over 600 tackles in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of them were behind the line of scrimmage, and a lot of them was destroying guys who everybody was highly touting. I was like, I don't know what the hell y'all talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's, here's what we learned today. Hollis still doesn't like anybody on the offensive side of the ball. He doesn't have any use for anybody on the offensive side of the ball. Number two, he can still trash talk with the best of them. Yeah. yeah. Randall, I love the Randall McDaniel, man. That guy. You didn't, you didn't know that? Yeah. I used to destroy him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, because this is a this is a it's quick, quick story for you guys. We planned Minnesota when they had uh, Robert Smith, uh, Brad Johnson and uh, and uh, you know all those guys, yeah. And so I was playing left defensive tackle. He was playing the other side uh, uh, guard. And remember, we had yeah. Red Hall. You remember Red yeah, Hall? Yeah, yeah. So sure. they, so uh, Mike Turkovic said, he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, come here. They used to call me Baby Baby T. So they come here, Baby T. He said, go over on on the other side and just run that guy over. I was like, okay. So on the, when the ball snapped, I actually have it on my highlight reel. Before uh, Brad Johnson can get the ball out of his hand, I'm already back there trying to destroy him. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and guess who the guard was? Randall McDaniel. Randall McDaniel. Okay. All you see, all you yeah. see is the six four go up into the air and go back. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you the most important question of the day. Okay, you can see you're well hydrated, but what's yeah. for lunch? Uh, I don't know what's for lunch. Uh, probably. Uh, I'm 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 leaning through. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do a little healthier thing now. Get out of here! I, know, I, I, know. I don't believe it. I know. Stop I was, it! I, I was just going to say a double cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be on the grill though. It was going to be on the flame broil grill though. So. He's down from a triple cheeseburger to a double cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah double cheeseburger. I need the I need the protein. I'm a man. Yeah, yes. you are. No one has ever questioned that. Alex, you are the man. We appreciate you coming out with us today. We'll get back with you in a little bit. Thanks for hopping on. All right, no problem. If, if you guys want to uh, find me, you can find me. I'm on the Green League Green Legion Radio. Yeah. Uh, on, on the Green on Green Legion channel on YouTube, or I'm on iTunes on Fox Sports, Fox Sports the Gambler Philadelphia 102.5 FM on uh, on, on on Saturdays one to three. But throughout the week, you can catch me down downloading my uh, my my podcast, Get Stank Happy Hour, uh, each and every week of Monday from six p.m. to seven p.m. or whenever I get whenever I get tired and a little inebriated. So, <laughs> and other than that, you know, uh, K E W L M L on uh, Instagram, I post all of my stuff. So I appreciate you guys for having me on. Our Thanks, pleasure, and we will be checking you out. And we will get you back on with us again. Thanks, right, thank you, I appreciate you guys. Hollis Thomas here with us on Birds 365. Still talking trash. I love it. He's ready to go out and own Randall McDaniel again. Greatest offensive lineman of all time, according to people in this league. 
And and Hollis is eating his lunch. I got to go back and look at that. It's him in the face too while he was at okay. it. Uh, he is John McMullen. I am Jody McDonald. We'll come back, put a bow on the show. Last couple of minutes of Birds 365 coming your way. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. In the Wildwoods, our free beaches are spacious and welcoming with plenty of room to spread out. Your seat will be waiting for you when you're ready to visit the Wildwoods, creating cherished family memories for generations. Jody Mag, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Jay Mack here with you with my buddy Jay Mack. It's Mega Mack. The first uh, 365 duo who are coming to the close of another show. Got to thank both our guests today. They were both outstanding. Barrett Brooks and Hollis Thomas. Uh, quick aside, John. I did, I'd say over the years, somewhere between five and ten shows with Hollis. Not a ton, but yeah. not just one show. Either. I uh, sat down and hosted with him shoot eight nine ten times whatever it was yeah. uh and one of the perks of radio is from time to time um if you do commercials for a good restaurant in town they've been known to drop off some food at the radio station for you to be able to talk up when you're doing a live spot 
bought them and the like. Oh, yeah. And uh, a couple of times I was doing shows with Howard's when we got food deliveries. You wanted to keep your hands back because <laughs> you could have lost the <laughs> finger. That boy can eat. He well, could yeah. put it away like nobody's business. So whenever we find out I'm doing a show at house, a food delivery, uh, Hollis, go out and get what you want first. I didn't want to interrupt Hollis Thomas and his eating habits. You go get everything that you want and I'll, I'll have yeah. whatever's left over, Hollis. But please go fill your plates, plural, uh, as much as you want to add a time. And then I'll see what's left. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, he, hey. I, I had to ask him about dinner because the boy can put it away. He's a powerful guy. There's a reason for that. I mean, one of the things I love the old school mentality. I love that. Number yeah. one, I love the trash talk. I mean, and he's not, tra I had to look up McDaniel. He's not trash talking anybody. No nope. NFL's a hundredth anniversary, all time team, nine time first team, all pro, not pro bowl. All 12, pro. All pro nine time. And I remember when he came out, the whole thing was he ran a four six at like I don't know two ninety, but he was also a powerlifting champion, and he could deadlift like six hundred sixty pounds. And Hollis is moving him. That's 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 impressive. Talking some serious smack was Mister Thomas when he was on with us. Uh, he's good good dude, fun dude to have on. We'll throw him up every once in a while. All right, you got any media availability today? Yeah, I'm expecting to talk to Jonathan Gannon, Shane Steichen, Michael Clay, and a couple players. We'll see. Very nice. Uh, first time, first time we get to talk to the coordinators. So obviously Nick Sirianni runs the offensive side, but uh, hey, Jonathan Gannon's got a lot on his plate. We talked about it a lot on the show with Barrett and Hollis, linebackers, cornerbacks, lot lot of things to answer. You know what Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon's got going for him? He was actually named the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Unlike the quarterback position where they don't want to name a starter. Jonathan Gannon's actually been named the D.C. So he's yeah. in good stead with the head coach. Hey, he's still competing. Nick Sirianni said that. <laughs> I'm competing. Gannon's competing. He, he used the name. Gannon is competing. He well, used that name. We'll see if you can get him to compete with you on the uh, Zoom quest today. Uh, Jay Mac, good show today. Always a pleasure, buddy. Let's try this again in 22 hours. What do you think? Let's do it. We'll get you right back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.